That's a commonly used word around here. I hope my football team wins the Super Bowl. I hope Johnny asked me to prom. I hope it snows today so I don't have to go to school. I hope I get that job. I get that raise. I pass the test. I score the winning point. I get the car. I don't have to kiss Ann Hilga at Thanksgiving. More seriously. I hope my friend gets better. I hope I do something great with my life. I hope one day there's world peace. Hope. We say it and we hear it all the time, and I don't want to trivialize it or disregard the aforementioned, but honestly, those are temporary things and they're uncertain at best. It's not that they aren't real or that they're the wrong, but let's be honest, if your team doesn't win, Johnny doesn't ask you to prom. If it doesn't snow, you don't get that job or the raise or pass the test. If you don't get the car and Ann Hilga happens to smack a big wet one on you, you're going to get through it. And even if your friend doesn't get better, you don't do something great with your life, and even, even if there's never world peace, all of the outcomes are uncertain, and whether they happen or not the way you want doesn't really change much in the grand scheme of things because it's all temporary. In the grand scheme of eternity, temporary hopes seem frivolous. See, hope in all the above scenarios is nothing more than a wish, like crossing your fingers, closing your eyes, and saying out loud, I hope I get that raise, I hope I get that raise, I hope I get that raise, is actually going to make a difference. I mean, you don't know what's actually going to happen at all, right? Yet we wish. We click our ruby heels together, we rub the rabbit's foot and avoid walking under ladders and all that, and we slowly open our eyes to see if the wish came true. Well, let me make a quick distinction. There are things we all hope for in the wishing sense, and then there are things we place our hope in. So, can we really call uncertain, confidence-lacking, rolling the dice, closing your eyes, ruby-clicking, rabbit-foot-rubbing, wishful-thinking hope? Is that what hope is all about? And can we really place our hope in looks, or fame, or money, or power? Shouldn't true hope, ultimate hope, eternal hope be based on truth, facts, something more than a wish, something I can know, be certain of, be confident in? I mean, if that kind of hope exists, then it can change us, encourage us, remove fear, relieve doubt, give us strength and get us through anything, give meaning and purpose to everybody, help us love more, understand more, forgive more, accept more, and it can inspire us to share the source of said hope to anybody and everybody. If that kind of hope exists, it changes everything. So does it exist? Yes, and I'll be blunt. It's only found in Jesus Christ because he is the way, the hope, and the life. All other hope is temporary, uncertain, wishful thinking at best. Oh, come on. What if I hope that every little thing's going to be all right? Or we all just become non-existent when we die? Or that I'll get to heaven because I, I lived a good life? Well, rub the rabbit's foot and roll the dice, Jimmy. Those are uncertain wishes based on flimsy guesses. 1 Timothy 2.5.6 declares, There is one God, and there is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all. John 3.6. 16 states, whoever believes in him, that is Jesus, should not perish but have everlasting life, which is why Paul confidently wrote in Ephesians 1, 18 and 19, you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. Without Christ, we are still dead in our trespasses and separated from God, which makes us godless and wicked. And Job chapter 27 verse 8 says, for what is the hope of the godless when God cuts him off, when God takes away his life? Without Christ, there is no real hope, period. So do me a favor and finish this sentence. I place all my hope in blank. If Jesus isn't in that blank, you have no hope. That pretty much covers it, folks, and I think we can safely say that this thought, this concept, this idea that you can have true hope without God has been debunked. Adios. So we want to pass on hope. So how do we do it? We recognize the tools that are being used to get a generation to doubt the source of said hope, word of God, teaching us about Jesus. Because you only know about Jesus through his word. So we have to restore that ability to be able to trust, uh, trust the Word of God. And then let's take a look at the tools that are being used to get us to doubt. So we've talked about the video games yesterday, but now let's move into something a little bit different. Because uh, let's take, because sometimes these, these sources of undermining hope and undermining our trust uh, in the Word of God are in simple places. Anybody ever read this book? This is like a classic, man. My little golden storybook about God. Those of you that have read it, let me see your hands again, please. How many of you caught the teaching of millions of years? All I'm trying to do is get your radar turned on. So whatever you read from whatever source, you know, last week I did something that I kind of think is cool. I thought it was genius, but it was me. Um, I took a picture of the President of the United States. I put a quote under it. And then I said to the folks, who likes this quote? Let's go downtown Chicago. Let's show this picture with this quote. What is the response that I'm going to get? Good or bad? Doesn't matter what the quote is, does it? Then I took the quote and I gave it to the real person that made the quote. Oprah Winfrey. And now let's go downtown Chicago and show the picture and what's the response going to be, good or bad. We have been duped by the world to look at our, with our physical eyes and quit digging deeper. Do not be manipulated anymore. Get that radar turned on. I don't care what the source is. 
including me. If you're not taking what I'm saying to you and checking to see if what I'm saying is right or not, you can be deceived. So, my little golden storybook about God. Let's go into it and take a look here. Look at the stars in the evening sky, so many millions of miles away that the light you see shining left a star long, long years before you were born. Carl, that doesn't say millions of years, you nitpicker. Nitpicker. Okay. Let's go to the next page. Think of the snow-capped mountain peaks. Those peaks were crumbling away with age before the first people lived on earth. Hello? Hello? <laughs> Anybody out there? According to the Word of God, the only one who's always been there, who knows everything, God said, which needs to become the rallying cry of every Christian, not what do you think, what do you think, what do you think, God said. God said that he created the earth on day. God said that he created man on day. Wow, did you know that? That the mountains were already crumbling away with age after just a few days. Right? Is that what they're implying? No, it's in there. Throw it out. No, use it as a teaching point. Even in Christian sources, you have to critically think, young person, I love you enough to look, people teach this, but there are people, I could be wrong. Go to the ultimate source, the ultimate authority to compare to see if what is true or not. Uh, amazing animals. Oh, tomorrow, that's the talk I'm going to do tomorrow. We're going to talk about design features on animals. I love it. That's like my favorite talk of all time, quite frankly, all right? When you look at the world through the lens of God's word, there is no explanation. Naturalistic processes, hydrogen gas transforming itself and everything that we see, where did the gas come from? Don't worry about it. Even if I gave you gas, how does it turn into something as amazing as looking in a mirror? Amazing animals, the fastest, heaviest, smallest, largest, fiercest, and funniest. Let's go to the centerfold. It's okay. It's a kid's book. Great-great-grandparents. Oh, oh, anybody notice anything? Huh. Australopithecus afarensis, Australopithecus africanus, Homo habilis, Homo erectus. Do you know what that is? Those are the evolutionary supposed ancestors to humans. Let's read the source. Over many millions of years, the animals on earth have adapted and changed to the forms we know today. The same is true for man, or for human beings. Huh. This is a children's book. Fastest, funniest, and all that kind of a thing. One of the other pictures they have in there. I showed this picture in a church in Florida, and they have banned me from coming back. Pastor was offended. I have never seen somebody get so mad. I was like, he's hot. <laughs> it was a big stage, right? Big stage. Big bushes up, big church. I show the picture and I'm talking. And as I did this, the whole audience went quiet. And they're looking to their left, my right. That's weird. I couldn't see it, so, ooh, I'm in trouble. I didn't know pastor's daughter just painted that picture on the wall. Leading into their youth area. If you have this picture in your church, over your mantle, in your children's room, I'm not attacking you. I'm saying that this picture is having an impact. Visuals have impacts because this is the Bible that the children see. And if you don't think it's having an impact, youth group, Q&A, Kentucky, they've never heard me speak before. I walk in before I've spoken in the morning service. They just did this as a cold thing. I wasn't even using pictures. I, I couldn't use my computer. Any questions we can deal with? Young lady's hand, boom, goes straight up. Senior in high school, graduating, going to college, raised in that church from day one, from birth, right? Hand goes up, yes. How'd they get the whales on the ark? I thought she was joking. <laughs> That's funny. You're serious? She was serious. Guys, these pictures have an impact. Does God say he took the whales on the boat? No, but these pictures become the Bible to this younger generation. Throw it out, ban it, burn it. No, use it. This is what the world says, but this is what the Word of God says. And then take them to the Creation Museum and take them to the ark. I'm not with the ministry anymore, but they do a great ministry. Let them see reality. That's the only point that I'm trying to make to you. 
These things become springboards to conversations, and that's what I'm trying to give you today. Not just attacking a negative, how do we use them? So, top-selling comic book over the last 20 years. Anybody know? Anybody, anybody? What? X-Men. Nailed it. First guess. Beautiful. Because most of the time I have to say is none of these. And please don't say Archie. <laughs> I don't know what. Archie, Jughead, Veronica. I mean, come on. That's girly love stuff. I don't do that stuff. It's X-Men. Who's not familiar with X-Men? Anybody? Not familiar with X-Men? Okay, a few of you. This is hands down the top-selling comic book over the last 20 years. And it's turned into lots of movies and TV shows, all right? Uh, by the way, in full disclosure, I'm a geek. One of the special days of my life, a friend of mine actually has the real X-Men number one comic. And I got my picture with it. Yes. Fantastic. Four number one, Avengers number one, Spider-Man number one, Daredevil number one, and the Captain America replica shield. <laughs> Most of you don't care. <laughs> it was a big day, man. And I got, he has a replica Iron Man mask. I was like, yes! It was geek day, man. I'm telling you. But anyway, X-Men. Like I said, it's turned into all kind of movies and everything, but what, what are the implications of it? What are the teachings in it? For those of you that don't know the X-Men, let me give you just a little bit of background and a little bit of nuggets for it because these are things that you can definitely use to teach a generation to think. They're seeing it, man. This is everywhere, all right? So X-Men, their explanation, the X-Men are a worldwide team of mutant volunteer workers gifted with new evolutionary talents. So these are guys that have had mutations because of evolution that now some of them can fly. Some of them can shoot lasers from their eyes. Some of them can heal immediately. So it's all kind of mutations, all right? And there's two groups of mutants, and we'll get to that. The premise behind the X-Men is that humanity has reached a new level of evolution with the dawn of Homo superior. Remember I told you about that the other day? Homo superior. They are no longer Homo sapien. They have evolved to a higher level. They are now Homo superior and Homo su uh, sapien is down here. And because of those extra abilities, there's two different groups of X-Men, right? How many are familiar? You got good X-Men, you got bad X-Men. Why, why are the good mutants good? Yeah, they want to make peace with humans. They're homo superior. They're inferior, so we have to protect them, you know, with uh, extra abilities, come extra responsibilities. That's kind of like Spider-Man, but anyway. Um, so you have the good mutants that are protecting the inferior humans, but the bad mutants are bad. Why? Because they're saying kill them off. There is no animal on this planet that protects the inferior species. We're animals. That's what the whole teaching is. This is the original comic book. And now I shall not bore you with long speeches, but I must tell you this. You are each more than mere homo sapien. You are the forerunner of homo superior, superior man. So you've got good mutants, you've got bad mutants. The good mutants want to protect the inferiors. The bad mutants want to kill them off. That's the whole premise. By the way, the bad mutants are the Darwinist. If there is no God... Why do we protect the weak? Why do we protect those that, why should we help them to survive? They're going to die anyway. They're useless eaters. That's what Hitler called the ones that he killed, the mentally, physically handicapped. They're useless eaters. They can't offer anything to society. Do you understand that the philosophy is going to impact your reality? And if there is no God... Where's your value come from? How pretty, how smart, how talented, how much money do you have? But if there is a God, your value comes from? You're created in the image of God. You're fearfully, wonderfully made. You're literally knit together in your mother's womb. You have value because he loved you while you were rejecting him enough to die for you. That can never be taken away from you. So be careful with it. But how did they get these powers? Well, let me let the TV show or movie tell you. Mutation. It is the key to our evolution. It has enabled us to evolve from a single-celled organism into the dominant species on the planet. This process is slow, normally taking thousands and thousands of years. 
But every few hundred millennia, evolution leaps forward. So tiny changes, tiny changes build up over time, and that's how we get all these things. Well, guess what? When you spend time and teach a generation how to think, that doesn't work. Because will a mutation add any new information to the genome? No. What will it do? Rearrange? Duplicate? Lose? But add something new? Uh-uh. A worm doesn't have the information for legs. Mutation is not going to give it information for legs. So how do you explain an amoeba turning into a worm to crawl legs or grow legs to crawl out of the land to become an amphibian to turn into a rat to turn into a wolf to go back into the ocean to become a blue whale? Mutation is not your answer. And then go look at the actual fossil record. I use this as a springboard to teach how to think. This is the chart that shows that you start with a couple of reptiles and given enough time right circumstances, you get all the different dinosaurs. Carl, that's science. You don't have a PhD. No, I don't. But my dad was a professional wrestler. <laughs> you laugh. I learned how to smell a fake and a fraud from a block away. That's a fake. You think this proves that you start with a couple of reptiles and they turned into dinosaurs over millions of years? How many of you have ever heard me do the fossil talk? Any of the youth in here? Okay, ma'am, I'm going to put you on the spot. What's the problem with that chart? You remember? What should you do before you sign anything? Sign anything. And especially with the fine print. Do you remember what the fine print says? No. What is it? The red stuff is what? Loud, loud so people can see it. The red stuff is actual evidence. Read the bottom corner here. I'll blow it up for you. Tinted, I didn't blow it up, sorry. Tinted areas indicate solid fossil evidence. So the red stuff is actual evidence. What's that mean the white stuff is? If it's not evidence, it's fairy tale, fable, what you think. Right? So if you got rid of the white stuff, what does the red stuff show? That an apatosaur was always an apatosaur, an ankylosaur was always an ankylosaur, that a pachycephalosaur was always a pachycephalosaur. If God created the way that he said that he did in his word, what should I find in the fossil record? That an apatosaur was always an apatosaur, an ankylosaur was always an ankylosaur, that a pachycephalosaur, are you hearing me? Now look at the rest of this. That yellow band there represents 30 million years of time. Do not be afraid of the evolutionary model. Know it better than the world. Do you see how much change had to take place? Change, change, change. And then... For 70 million years, 80 million years. So things changed like crazy for 30 million years, and then for 150 plus million years, they don't change anymore. I like the way that I look. I'm not changing. Dude, I just want to go back 20 years. <laughs> 20 years ago, I'm telling you, I was the man. At least in my own head, I was. I mean, but. Guys, this doesn't support slow gradual processes over millions of years. This supports what the Word of God says, that every few millennia, millennia evolution leaps forward. The reason that he's saying that is because of that yellow band with all those changes. In order to make the evolutionary model work, you have to get things changing like crazy. And that's why there's no evidence. Can I offer another explanation? There's no evidence because it never happened. And you have taken and arranged things and put them into this amazing family when the reality is one thing stayed, one thing never changed from or into anything else. Guys, when you learn how to look at the actual evidence and quit being deceived by the facade, good things happen. So, is that a, is that a tool? To help you, if you're going to watch a TV show, if you're going to read a book and you see some things like that, use it as a springboard to a conversation. We good? Does it help? No? I failed miserably? Ugh. Okay, let's do something safe. That's too much. We don't do X-Men. Okay, something safe. Uh-huh. This is thin ice, I know. Don't mess with Andy. 
We need to go back to the good old days. Gilligan's Island. Batman. Adam West Batman, thank you. Um, with the real Batmobile, okay? We need to go back to when TV was good. Um, I hate to inform you of this. It's always been messed up. <laughs> we're people. We're messed up. So even in the safe stuff, there were teachings that were off. How many have seen Andy Griffith? You remember the episode where Opie finds a dog, brings it into the jailhouse. They've got an inspector coming. Get the dog out of here. They get the dog out. They come back to the jailhouse. There's three dogs. Get the dogs out. They come back. Now the whole jailhouse is filled with dogs. Remember? Remember that episode? Finally, they get all the dogs out. And they're like, yes, the inspector's coming. And what happens? Watch. I'm worried about him, Pa. Well, oh, look, Ope. What were dogs a million years ago? Come on, man. That's Barney. <laughs> Barney's like the man. I mean, Barney's dropping the moons a year's bomb? Yes. Guys, it's in Gilligan's Island. It's in all those things that I rattled off at you. It's there. It's not as graphic as what we have today, but it's still there. Teach a generation how to think, not what to think. Okay? First Thessalonians 5.20 says, test all things, hold fast what is good. Examine everything carefully is what we need to do. Let's go to a commercial. Commercials are safe. Ooh. <laughs> this is a fun one, though. I really like this commercial. Allstate. It never aired. It was a Super Bowl commercial that never aired because they ran out of time. Watch this. You don't think there's some teaching points in commercials? I'm a forbidden fruit, and not to brag or nothing, but I'm pretty much the most amazing apple ever. Atta girl. two hours, because we can flesh this one out, all right? Let's do it just a couple pieces. Number one, the first big claim is what? I'm the forbidden fruit. So I'll ask you the first question. Was the fruit in the Garden of Eden an apple? Who says yes? Who says no? Who says we can't know? We can know that it was not an apple. We can know that. Right? Take a look. We see this in the children's books and the churches all the time. I mean, we're showing the apple, the snake and the apple, even Homer making fun of it, right? We get this all the time, the apple in the Garden of Eden. And I'm telling you right now, I can prove to you beyond a shadow of a doubt that the apple was not the fruit that was forbidden. Take you to Genesis 129, going to back my position up biblically. Then God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the surface of all the earth and every tree which has fruit yielding seed. And that should be food for you. So they were given permission to eat every fruit bearing. Do apples have seeds? Apples were good. So it was not. That was not the forbidden fruit. All right? So the question therefore becomes, what was the fruit. We don't know. 
We don't know. I mean, quite frankly, he didn't tell us. But we can know what it was not. It was not the apple. Oh, then you can't answer questions, so therefore you don't know anything. Really? Where'd your gas come from? How does dead thing turn into living thing? You see, you got questions you can't answer either. <laughs> I mean, Christians and non-Christians both have questions that they can't answer. That's reality. Um, what about this? The lion and the lamb. Is that biblical? Who says yes? Who says no? Who's not going to answer no matter how many times I ask now? I have burned my bridges. Nobody's answering anymore. Well, I mean, we see the pictures. Christen them, it's all over the place. I mean, we can go to the local Christian uh, bookstore and buy our little lion and lamb thing, but what's the scripture say? Well, let's go to it. Um, Isaiah, and the wolf shall dwell with the, is that the lion and the lamb? It's the wolf with the lamb. And the leopard will lie down with the young goat and the calf and the young lion and the fatling today. So if you want to do it right, put a young calf in there. All right? But that's not as cool. All right? Uh, the wolf and the lamb shall graze together and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. So is the lion and lamb a direct thing from the scripture? No. You can extend it out, but it's not direct. How about this? How about this? Did you catch this? What am I looking at? The dinosaurs. You see the dinosaurs? Huh. Let's blow it up. Let's take a look. Because dinosaurs in the Garden of Eden. How ridiculous is that? Well, let's blow it up. You're saying what dinosaurs? Zoom, zoom, zoom. Let's go. Zoom, zoom, zoom. Right there. Did you catch that? And, and, and. Look over there. You see that herd? Guess what that is? Zoom, zoom, zoom. Sauropod dinosaurs. In the Allstate commercial, they put dinosaurs in the Garden of Eden. Is that accurate? Oh, I'm not going to ask you to answer that because I don't want to get any mad. But, yes, it is accurate. <laughs> God said, God said what? That he created the earth on day one, sun, moon, and stars on day four, that he created land-dwelling, air-breathing animals, and the word that's used there, large, non-domesticable animals on day six. A perfect description of a dinosaur is a large, non-domesticable animal. And God said that he created everything in six days. And if he didn't do it the way that he said that he did, then guess what? Why should I trust him on anything else? So the fact that they put dinosaurs in the Garden of Eden is like, whoa! Never seen that, even in Christian materials. And that's actually accurate. How about this? How about this? What's another thing? Um, let's go down here. Oh. Adam. Was Adam really a blonde haired, blue eyed surfer dude? <laughs> I mean, I grew up with the pictures of Adam as the blonde haired, blue eyed, you know, because that's the perfect. Why? I don't have blonde haired, blue eye. And they always show him with a six pack, you know what I'm saying? Always got the. Dude, I got a keg. What's up with that? I like the. I like the... So Adam and Eve, blonde haired, blue eyed. I mean, no disrespect to you, blonde haired, blue eyed folks even if it's real or not, but I mean no disrespect to you. You can't tell anymore. You got contacts to turn your eyes whatever color you want, and you got dyes to turn anything else whatever color you want, okay? But that's not accurate. Can't be. Because from a blonde-haired, blue-eyed couple, you're not getting the diversity that I see in this room, okay? And especially the diversity that we see on this planet. So what color were Adam and Eve? I'll give you the options very quickly. Number one, Adam was black, Eve was white. Oh, we don't like that. No, we can't go there. Uh, okay, um, number two, Adam was white, Eve was black. A little more acceptable, but we still don't like it. Okay, then Adam and Eve were middle brown. Because from middle brown folks, you can get every color that you see in this room under the sun. But those are your three options. I can go deeper, but I won't just for time. If you want to go deeper, let me know. Answer is no. He was not a blonde-haired, blue-eyed surfer dude. So, guys, you could do this with this whole commercial. I'm telling you, I could go another. Let me do this, though. There's one point that I do want to make. Um, yeah, I love this. I love this ending. He said, mayhem has been, always will be everywhere. Are you in good hands? Let me ask you a question. Has mayhem always 
been here, it's a consequence of sin. You can use this to preach the gospel. And then let me ask you, after I preach the gospel to you, are you in good hands? You see what I'm saying to you guys? You can use a commercial to teach biblical truth, preach the gospel. So, just another example. Uh, the big question is whose hands are you putting yourself in? If it's all state, you're in trouble. I ended up leaving after 20 years, okay? Um, I am not going to uh, I'm not gonna go to Animal Planet because that's like my favorite channel. And when you turn the audio down, it's awesome. When you turn audio up, give it up, man. They are coming after you. I'm going to take you to the show. What did I do with it? All right. You're not supposed to see this part. I took it out, but I want to bring it back in. Where is it? Uh, there it is. The show that started me down this road. Don Knotts. The incredible Mr. Limpet. Who in here has seen that show? I'm going to tell you right now, this was my all-time favorite show as a young man. I love Don Knotts. Ghost of Mr. Chicken, anybody? <laughs> I loved it. I found this walking through, and I think it was a blockbuster video. I found a VHS. Now you know how long ago. All right. I found a VHS. My children were young. And I was like, this was my favorite movie as a, as a child. I'm going to take it home. We're going to have a family night, watch a family movie, fun movie. Brought it home, popped it into the DVD player or the uh, VHS player. And it was like 11 minutes and 30 seconds into the talk. It was like, we got to stop and talk. I had never caught what was in there. My radar wasn't turned on. That's why I'm doing what I'm doing here. Now, those of you that have not seen it, and uh, Don Knotts plays this really bookish, nerdy dude. I mean, he played that very well. He's a nerdy dude, right? And he couldn't get drafted for the war because he was 4F. He, he just weak, feeble, not very good eyesight. Dude loved fish. I mean, he loved fish. He's the weirdo. He's got a beautiful wife that wants to do stuff, and all he wants to do is read about fish or look at fish, okay? That's who he is. He comes home from work one day, and his buddy who had just gotten into the Navy is there. And the buddy's this guy, hey, let's go do this. And the wife's like, yeah. And he's like, no, no. Can't get him to do anything. And the buddy finally gets so frustrated with him, he's like, what is up with you and these fish? Now, he didn't say that. That's the Chicago version. But what is up with you and these fish? Watch this response. Whoops. I, I forgot I pulled this audio up. He goes over and he pulls down the chart. Do you know what that chart is? That's the chart with all the millions of years. And then he says this. Well, I've given it a lot of thought, George. A lot of thought. George, do you realize that our ancestors were fish? We had to stop. <laughs> and I talked with my children. Then we started again. George, I'm not joking. I can explain. He sure can, George. He's read hundreds of scientific books on the subject. He claims millions of years ago there was nothing but fish in the world. That's right. And then, you see, some of those ancient creatures, they became amphibians. And they crawled out on the land, you see. And then millions of years later, they became men. Stop the film. we got to talk. It got to the stage where my kids were like, Dad, you're no fun. We're not watching movies with you anymore. <laughs> True story. Um, so we changed the way that we did business. And what we did was, okay, when we watch... We'll watch, but when we're done, we're talking. And if we're not talking about what we just got done, watching, then we don't watch. And that became the new rule in the house. And for the first couple months, it was like pulling teeth to get them engaged. It really was. But then after that, it was like they started catching stuff that I'd missed. Set a new pattern. If you're going to am I telling you to go watch TV and movies? No. If you're going to watch them, Set some new rules. Set some new boundaries. This is how we're going to do it. I'm watching. I'll watch with you. We're talking when we're done, and we're not watching when we're done. They finally get him out of the house, and they take him down to Coney Island on the water. And the whole first part of this, this movie, he's been carrying a book in his hand. He's had this book, this big old book. 
you finally see the title, The Theory of Reverse Evolution. And then Don Knotts falls into the ocean because he prays, I wish, I wish, I wish I were a fish. That's a Disney prayer at least. That's not a Disney movie. He falls into the ocean and watch, he goes through the theory of reverse evolution. Everybody's laughing at Don Knotts this whole first part of the movie. He's a weirdo. He's a whack job. But he's right. You can see the book falling down behind him. And that then goes off in the rest of the movie. Guys, there's a worldview going on in there. And it was done in cartoon, fun, and I never caught it. Keep your radar turned on. How about the first Fantastic Four movie? Anybody catch that? You catch the morality that was being taught in there? How about this? I was ready for the next step. You weren't. Ergo, I walked. I think it was a little bit more complicated than that. I just wanted to share an apartment. I mean, hey, what's the problem? They were a couple, then they broke up, and the reason they broke up is because she just wanted to take her relationship to the next level. She just wanted to share an apartment. I mean... You don't think that's a morality that's being jammed down these children's throats? It is. And may I, young person? That's not love. That's lust. And there's a difference between the two. And we need to teach our children this. I just want to share an apartment. Let's go to the starlets the Lindsay Lohans, and what kind of wisdom can they impart to our children? Are they imparting? My mom is going to kill me for speaking about sleeping with people, but I don't want to put myself in a position where I'm in a monogamous relationship right now. I'm not dating just one person. Sex in the city changed everything for me because those girls would sleep with so many people. You don't think seeing these things is impacting a generation? Her life's a wreck. A wreck. Sex in the city was a TV show that turned into movies as well. It's having an impact. How about Scarlett Johansson, another, oh, X-Men. I do think on some basic level we are animals and by, kind, and by instinct we kind of breed accordingly. Guys, there's a morality that's being jammed down these children's throats from the world. They're lost. You can't expect anything good from them. Think about it. If something is dead, what can we expect for it to do? Rot and smell bad. And if you don't have Christ, you are dead in your sins. And too many times we in the church, we're trying to get the dead things to act like the living things. And you can't do it. They might put on a facade, but underneath, they still rot and smell bad. Don't work on exterior, get the interior. How about this? Anybody see this? Enchanted? Anybody? Anybody? i got to be honest with you. There's only two reasons that a guy would go to a movie like this. Number one, he's had a fight with his wife and he's trying to make up. <laughs> Number two, he's dating. <laughs> I'm just telling you, man. Ladies, when, when guys go to movies like this and they're dating, I don't think you're going to see it happen until you get in a fight after you get married. So just, I'm just being honest. My son brought this piece to me, okay? He wasn't married at the time. He was dating. Okay. And so, uh, and so I got the clip because I was like, okay, this is an interesting point. Who, a bunch of you have not seen it, obviously. So let me go through it real quickly. This is a family movie, a family movie, okay? So here's how it works. You start off in cartoon world, but then you got real world. And in the cartoon world, you've got uh, the prince who's in love with this lady, but the prince's mom is the, wi the wicked witch lady, and she doesn't like her. I never could figure out why she didn't like her, but she didn't like her. So what she did was is she kicked her out into the real world through a manhole, you know, it came out in real world. And so now she sees him. But he is in a relationship engaged to another girl. But then he figures out that he's in love with her. She figures out that she's in love with him. He comes out into the real world because he loves her so much that he wants to find her. But he sees that she's in love with him. Are you with me? This is a family movie? In today's world, yes. So he sees that she's in love. So they end up getting together. Then he gets up with her, his ex-girlfriend, are you kidding me? But then, here's where we get to the big thing. They go back. The prince goes back 
to the cartoon world with the ex-girlfriend of his ex-girlfriend's boyfriend. And the first thing they do when they go back into the cartoon world is they get married. They live happily ever after. Notice how they show the Christian, the priest. Did you notice? Did you notice? Did you notice? Looked like he came from Kentucky. I can say that. I live in Kentucky. My roots are all from Kentucky. And you know, you know, you know that the, the toothbrush was invented in Kentucky. Because if it was invented anywhere else, it would be a teeth brush. <laughs> I live there. I can get away with it, okay? But yeah, look at how they, de- they depict the... But now, here's what my son came to me said. He said, Dad, fairy tale, cartoon world, they get married and live happily ever after. Who saw the movie? Who saw the movie? Come on. Okay, I want to go to somebody new. What did the people that stayed in the real world do? Do you remember, ma'am? Either one of you. You remember? Don't remember what they did? Who else saw it? I don't want to, I don't want to call on you because I, <laughs> you saw it? What, what? They both together. They don't get married. Oh. They don't get married. Watch. This is what my son came to me. He said, Dad, fairy tale world, you get married, live happily ever after. Real world, you just move in and live together. Notice her hand. No ring. Notice his hand. No ring. Is that what they were trying to teach? I don't know, but I know this. This world is teaching a different morality to a generation that's very susceptible to lies. Use it as a springboard. There is a biblical morality. So I'm just saying, be careful with it. Spider-Man, my all-time favorite. When I was a young man, I'm telling you, Spider-Man was my favorite cartoon character. How does Spider-Man get his powers? Bit by a spider. What kind of a spider? That's old school. Radioactive is old school. As a young man... I love Spider-Man partly because of the song that he had. Is he, and I'm not going to sing it for you. I should get a recording of it. I'm going to do that. Is he strong? Listen, bub, he's got radioactive blood. And to a 10-year-old boy, any song that used bub back in the day is like, yeah. Is he strong? Listen, bub, he's got radioactive blood. But they changed the spider. What was the new spider in the movie? It was genetically enhanced. Why would they change the spider from mutated, Right? or from radioactive mutation, to genetically enhanced. Why? They've done a lot of research since the 50s and early 60s when these cartoon characters were created. Back then, what was a mechanism for mutation? Radiation. Does radiation cause mutation? Yes. Does radiation turn a scale into a feather? Does radiation turn eyes into lasers? No. It takes existing stuff and messes it up. So they now know that radiation isn't the cause to, to a mechanism to get these things. They had to change the spider. How much intelligence was involved in taking five spiders and putting all the genetic information into one spider? How much how many wisdom from the scientists? How many resources? This is not evidence that something could happen naturalistically. It took intelligent design as a minimum. But that's another point. Here's the first movie. Oops. Sorry. 40,000 years of evolution, and we barely even tapped the vastness of human potential. You know, as a young man, I always wanted spider sense. I did. You know what I'm talking about? Spider sense, to me, would have been like the greatest thing ever. I'm walking home. I'm about to open the door. Oh, mama's mad. I'm out of here. (laughs) Well, mom was mad at me a lot because I was a bonehead kid. That's the truth. I was a bonehead kid, if you couldn't tell. As I've gotten older, I now have come to a realization. There's actually something better than spider sense. It's called Bible sense. God has given us his word. It's that lamp into our feet and a light into our path so that as we go through life, we don't have to suffer the consequences of sin. But we don't trust his word. Why? I gave you these numbers before. I'm going to throw it to you again. The average American spends 900 hours a year in a school. How much time do they spend in front of a TV? Anybody remember? 1,064 hours. How many hours in front of a video game? 936. How many hours in music? You don't want to go there. Okay? 
So we're, we're getting inundated with all this stuff, and the world has been smart because they come after this younger generation, and they use things like Finding Nemo, Lilo and Stitch, Incredibles, Bob the Builder, all these really cool animated fun things, right? And they're fun. I see the churches pop these in as the, you know, for the children. I was like, what? Do you know the messaging that's in there? Every one of those, by the way, have anti-Christian messages. Every one of them. We pop them in as babysitters. And here's where I get to offend you. And then the church, many times in their response, to try to reach a generation that's been raised on all these really cool things, have a flannel graph mentality. I am not attacking child evangelism fellowship. Hello, hello, hello. Do you hear me clearly? I'm not attacking child evangelism fellowship. What I'm saying is, is that we in the church many times have a flannel graph mentality. And if you think you're going to reach a generation raised on Finding Nemo, Lilo and Stitch, Incredibles, and all the stuff that's out there now, by breaking out flannel graph, there is a disconnect. It's a disconnect. We've got to teach the church to get their radar turned on so that they start looking at the world the proper perspective. Think about this. When we go out on the street right now and we try to reach out to a lost person, they have their own spider sense. They think they know us because they've seen us on Family Guy Simpsons, Desperate Housewives, Law and Order. And I'm telling you right now, if there's a Christian on Law and Order, they did it. And if they didn't do it, they should have done it because they're worse than the one that did do it. You see a Christian on mainstream TV anymore, they're the bad guys. Or they're worse than the guy that did the bad stuff. So they think they know us. It's kind of like Terminator. Anybody ever seen a Terminator movie? Anybody? Anybody? Do you know what I'm talking about? The Terminator character was programmed to do one specific thing, and you couldn't get that thing to deviate. It was going to do one thing. It was programmed to do one thing. It saw everything in a very specific way. I'm saying to you that in that 1,064 hours of TV, in that 900 hours in a school, 80 to 85% of the Christian homes send their children to the world to be trained by the world, to think like the world. In all those hours, they've been trained to see things in a very specific way. And so now we go out there, they have their own Terminator vision, but I call it worldly vision. So I'm a Christian here, and I say, I'm going to witness to this person. Well, first of all, they see me, and they say, huh, Christians, all they have is their opinion. They don't have any answers. Well, they break out the Bible. What does this world think about the Bible? Let's be honest. Old, outdated book filled with fairy tales and fables. got all these copying errors and mistakes, and most Christians can't give an answer on how to deal with any of those. So they don't take that. But then we break out our big evangelism gun. Here it is. God loves you, has a wonderful plan for your life. Does he love us? Yes. He loved us so much while we were spitting on him that he died for us. But think from this perspective. God. Which one? Japan. 166,000 gods in Japan. Let's go downtown. Japan. God loves you. Which one? Do you think your community is any better? God. Which one? Thousands of gods. They don't see it. He loves you. Do you really think that this generation understands what love is when all we want to do is share an apartment? That's not love. That's lust. They don't know love. If you don't know God, you can't know love. And he's got a wonderful plan for you. Do it. Don't trust me. Go talk to the, the kids that those young folks are trying to witness to in their school systems, many of them. Wonderful plan? I don't see a wonderful plan. All I see are millions of years of death and suffering. What kind of a loving God would do that? Are you hearing me? It's a disconnect. The only thing that makes sense today in this culture, my life. You bet it's my life. Quit trying to impose your values on me. Christian, if we're going to be effective in reaching a culture that has shifted, we're going to have to look at them differently. Look. The whatabouts, too many times, the questions that they ask, why do I hand out index cards to the younger generation? Do you think I like ask, answering questions? I am scared to death. I don't know the answers to everything. I'm spending hours digging when they throw these questions out to try to prepare an answer for them. I don't know everything. 
But I know that the questions, typically in the church that I grew up with, they were the things where, quiet. Good boys don't ask those questions. Children are to be seen and not heard. Do you think that really brought me to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, or did that drive me away from a system that was bankrupt? That was my feeling. It was bankrupt. Because if I went and I asked a teacher in school a question, they would get an answer for me. I went to the church and asked a question. They told me to be quiet. You see, we got to start looking at this like this. God has told you and I to study to show ourselves approved, to be prepared to give an answer for the reason for the hope that lies within us. And when we can do that, those whatabouts, do you know what they are? They are literally earning opportunities to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. I am not what you saw on TV. Terminator 1. Terminator movie that char- uh, the character, Terminator character, movie one, was he a good guy or a bad guy? Terminator two, was the Terminator character a good guy or a bad guy? What happened? What shifted other than rewriting the script? What happened? He was reprogrammed. I'll give you a quote here, and I'm done. The vast majority of Christians do not behave differently because they do not think differently, and they do not think differently because we have never trained them, equipped them, or held them accountable to do so. To me, that's what this week of camp is. To me, that's what last week of camp was. To me, that's the thing that you parent can do, that you grandparent, you can do that. You can show your child, your grandchild, that there is another way. His word is true, and it has real answers to real issues. So I hope that's one of the things that I'm passing to you. So, Father, I give it to you. You know I'm, you know me. But I do pray that you're being glorified through this, and I do pray that, Lord, your word is being lifted up. Those of us that are struggling with these things, help us. Those of us that aren't, praise God. Get us more active in sharing our faith. Again, thank you for this camp. I want to continue to pray for the family that lost their son, Lord. This is, it's not easy, but I pray for them. I know that, I know the pain that they have to be going through, and I just pray for them. Pray for the, the wife, Lord. There is hope even in the midst of despair. Because you're still there. You never leave us. You never forsake us. And I thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen.